Well, I've lost uh, the letter because uh, we still do receive letters in corporeal form, uh, but they are slightly more onerous to reply to, so there can be delays. The other day I replied to two listeners' letters from last year, which have been buried in a pile, which I probably shouldn't admit to. And this listener wrote asking for a Sunday morning recipe that could be an elegant sort of salamagundi. What a great name that is. Lucy Corrie is with us, award-winning food writer, author of Home Cooked, Seasonal Recipes for Every Day. Lucy's RNZ's executive editor, Lifestyle and Entertainment. Lucy, salamagundi to you. (laughs) (laughs) It rolls off the tongue like a cannonball out of a brass monkey (laughs) with a feeling of both heft and anticipation. What do you think? It is the most fantastic word in the English lexicon if it is an English word, I just could, I would love to open a shop called Salamagundi. I wonder if somebody has. That's right. It's a great name. Do you think we should give a book to someone who who can provide the best simile? Salamagundi, it rolls off the tongue like... Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, we'll do that. So what is a a Salamagundi and can you have one for Sunday brunch? I think you can. I think of it as a composed salad. What's that? The components are allowed to be their separate individual selves on a plate, but they have some relationship to each other. Um, There's a dynamic. There is a dynamic, and they're not things that would never go together. So there's an an American invention called, I think, a cob salad or a chef salad. I've heard of a cob. I don't know what it is. They have, you know, it's every ingredient known to man all piled together. Right. And... I think it's that peculiar American thing of just shoving more and more and more and more <laughs> in. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, but at one point he says, you know, when I came, he describes his house and he's often sitting uh, in front of this enormous fireplace. And he said, that's what I love about America, bigger, bigger everything. <laughs> and that's what I think about a cob salad is. Anyway, back to a salamagundi, I yes. think of it being... Components that are harmoniously joined together. Right. But it's up to the diner to toss them together or eat them separately. I thought it would be a good thing, actually. You know how there are some fussy eaters, particularly fussy children, who don't like their ingredients to be touching each other? So a salamagandhi would be perfect for them. Ideal. You'd need quite a big plate, though. Right. (laughs) And no peas. so far, the answer is quite political in the sense of a politician uh, defining something vaguely. Um, <laughs> no offence intended. What's in a, what's in a salamagundi? So, officially, <laughs> I'm really offended by that. I, t- um, I withdraw that comment. <laughs> uh, officially, a salamagundi is a cold dish or salad made from different ingredients, which may include meat, seafood, eggs, cooked and raw vegetables, fruits or pickles. Oh, now you're talking. Now, but I think you need to be judicious about what you put in your salamagundi. Like, it doesn't mean necessarily that you need all those things together. So, for example, if you think of a salad niçoise, for example, there are beans, green beans, and some sort of tuna or salmon, Mm -hmm. a hard-boiled egg. But not one of those terrible hard-boiled eggs that where the yolk is reduced to powder. <laughs> you know, a very perfectly cooked egg. You're talking about me. I resent that remark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing that... There's 
few things that I cannot eat or cannot stand to even look at, and that's one of those eggs that's cooked, so where the yolk is sort of pale yellow yeah. <laughs> and powdery on one side, and then you, when you scoop it out, it's gone grey on the other. Yeah. Uh, maybe some croutons for crunch, and bound together with some sort of dressing, like a vinaigrette or even a creamy kind of dressing. Right. But you put the dressing on the side probably because the ingredients would all be disparate, you know what I mean? You wouldn't yeah, just sprinkle think, a whole yeah. lot of mayonnaise over the top. No. no, and you'd need to educate the people you're serving it to. So they, so one person just didn't think, oh, great, I'll have all the salmon, thanks. It's not too far removed from a platter. No, it sounds platterish. It sounds very plattery, doesn't okay. it? And it can be warm and cold, a salamagundi? I think so. I right. think you could have, I think that's a great kind of contrast to have a warm component and a cold one. You could have cold beans and hot salmon. Yes. Or if you don't eat salmon, cold beans and hot tomatoes. Actually, that's a fantastic thing. Any hot kind tomatoes. of cold, um, not cold, like fridge cold, but room temperature, say some sort of white bean tossed in a very herby vinaigrette. Ah. And then if you quickly fry some tomatoes and put that on top, then that's fantastic because you've got kind of that blisteringly hot tomato and soothing cold white bean. Oh, that sounds quite nice. Or you could have cold ham and warm egg and that kind of thing. You could probably just use your imagination. Yeah, I think so. And instead of someone saying to me, oh, you've served a platter, saying to you, you've served a platter, you can say, no, this is a salamagundi. Yeah. yeah, and because salamagundi is such a fantastic word and no one really knows what it means, <laughs> no one's going to say, this salamagundi is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, are they? <laughs> They're going to say, this weird. Um, no, but I imagine that actually you could do it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed in Salon magazine that sales of rice cookers are surging in the US anyway. Do we all need a rice cooker? Ah, oh, this is interesting. I have read that sales of a certain um, cheap rice cooker from a beloved Australian uh, department store have also surging. I'm very conflicted here, Jim, because sometimes I have a secret desire to own a rice cooker. Oh, you don't have one? No, I don't. I've often thought about it, and I've seen one for sale recently um, that the algorithm served up to me, and it was mint green. Yeah. and described as a mini rice cooker, which appealed to me because I thought, oh, it won't take up much room in the cupboard. I mean, yeah. We're only using it twice a year. Um, mint green and perfect for a small household because it you pour in one cup of rice and it produces three cups, which is about what I would cook on a regular basis. Right. And I love the idea of you know having something where I can just push a button. Because yeah. I don't have very many... Um, Later saving devices, like I don't have a microwave, for example. So button really? pushing, I know, I think I'm the only person in New Zealand. It doesn't have a microwave. Um, much to the horror of my daughter's friend who says all the time, I still can't believe you don't have a microwave. Can you buy cheap enough rice cookers without all the special features? Yes, you can. Right. I think you can buy ones now that, you know, basically do everything for you. One thing about rice cookers, you often see them... If you belong to, you know, like a zero waste kind of group on Facebook or Facebook Marketplace or Trade Me, you often see rice cookers pop up there because I think people thought, yes, a rice cooker will solve all my problems. And then they realise that it just takes up space and uh, they never use it. Okay. Thank, thank you. Good tip. On lifehacker.com, 
is a, just quickly this really, but it's a recipe for homemade bread for one. Speaking of not taking up too much room in the kitchen, uh, using one cup of flour, and you don't need a bread maker. They suggest a Dutch oven, and I was thinking if you don't have one of those either, you could possibly bung it in a normal oven. And many of us, I think, have been tempted to make bread without the you know wherewithal to do it. Do you think you get a, a good result with what they're describing, the method they're describing? Yeah, I think so. I think the thing with the Dutch oven, which for listeners who think, crikey, now I have to buy a Dutch oven, it's just a cast iron pot with a lid um, or any kind of oven-proof pot with a lid. You could possibly even do it with a Pyrex thing with a lid. Okay. A Pyrex casserole dish with a lid. Um, it creates, as the bread cooks in the oven, it creates steam, and so that steam um, gives you a nice crust and it creates like a micro-steam a micro steam oven, if you like. Right. I just felt quite sad about the making homemade bread for one. But it might cheer up somebody who's feeling lonely at that particular moment who lives on their own. It it may do, but why can't they treat themselves to a whole loaf? Well, they can go and buy one. Well, yes, but they could make, you know, if you're going, if making a tiny loaf of bread will cheer you up a little bit, (laughs) think how massively cheered up you'd be (laughs) making a whole loaf. (laughs) But maybe I'm just greedy. Well, it's got here, what is it, um, half a cup of lukewarm water, three quarters of a teaspoon of instant yeast, uh, about a cup of flour, and half a teaspoon of salt. And gee, that sounds like the simplest dish, Yeah. the simplest piece of baking yeah, you'll yeah. ever do. And it's not a, um, it's one of those great recipes where you're not having to, um, you know, knead for hours. People get people worry about making bread and think it's going to be very labour intensive. Usually, it's not. It just requires you to come and look at it every now and then. Right. So it doesn't need endless kneading. No. Okay. No. 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 There's a there's a some bread requires endless kneading. But well, there are two schools of thought really. There is the endless kneaders who do vigorous kneading for fifteen minutes or so. Needlessly. And <laughs> needlessly, <laughs> they have a need. Uh, and then there's what I call a Pilates method of bread making, where it looks like you're not doing much, but um, you sort of do some stretch and folds every uh, half an hour over a period of time. So you need to be in the house. You can't. It's a bit like having a, a new puppy. You sort of need to be around, but you don't need to be highly engaged all that time. Nicely described. Just some short things. That ham and cheese sandwiches have been banned in Western Australia school canteens under a new healthy eating policy. What was your reaction to this? I felt depressed by it, really. I feel the most sympathy with the dietitian quoted in the story who says that, you know, I don't envy, envy canteen managers at the moment. It would be a really hard gig to find that balance, and it absolutely would be. Um, yeah. I think a lot of food gets demonised as if it's the only thing you're eating. Like, yes, of course, if you're eating ham and cheese sandwiches every day, that's not a great variety. But an occasional ham and cheese sandwich is not going to ruin your child's life. No. On the BBC website, a new recipe for Chinese dumplings. Now, do you make dumplings? These ones use um, chorizo, a white bean puree, and oil infused with coriander. And they were singing the praises of these dumplings. I'm not sure if you can get all the ingredients. You'd know. Yeah, I thought these sounded fantastic. And yes, chorizo is available here. Um, white bean puree is, you know, just a, t- a tin of 
um, white beans or white beans that you've cooked yourself and whizzed up or mashed up. And coriander-infused oil is easy enough to do. You can probably also buy it. And I thought, yeah, I thought those sounded beautiful. Okay, thank you. A dumpling is really a pie. A tiny pie. A tiny pie. Yeah. A tiny Chinese pie. Yeah, think of dumplings being a tiny pie, but that's what they are. Yeah. The recipe's on the BBC if anybody wants it. In the Atlantic Monthly, the accusation that pizza boxes may be handy for delivery, but they make the pizzas limp and soggy. Any comments? You see, I'd never thought about this, and I thought someone's thought about it and done a story on it. They have, but I think they're protesting a bit much because if you're expecting a pizza to be delivered to you and you don't want it to get slightly soggy in a cardboard box, how is it going to reach you? You know, on a stone borne by, you know, four strong men. Um, the, uh, The good thing about a cardboard pizza box is that it can be composted or recycled. Oh, yeah. Or you can give it to your dog to play with. True. Nothing a dog loves better than ripping a slightly cheesy pizza box to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't discovered that yet. Without it. Uh, before we go, something uh, else interesting from Salon Magazine, because I, th- I think we berate ourselves when we've been well-behaved with our diets and suddenly we dive into the ice cream or gorge on a, cha- a, a cake of chocolate. That's obviously not you, Lucy. Um, This new research reminds us that we inherit this love of sweetness from the fruits our anthropoid ancestors relied on and nothing much has changed. That just made me think about this whole thing in a slightly different manner because I'm forever feeling guilty if I relapse and eat too much of a whole chocolate block. It's the guilt that'll do for you, Jim, not the chocolate. I know. I think. She said fixing me with her piercing gaze. (laughs) They... I well, this goes back to the ham and cheese sandwiches. I think if you were eating cakes and cakes of chocolate every day, then yes, they would be no good for you. Yes, but what it said to me also was that this is the temptation that you think I can resist this, I can resist this, but actually, most of us probably can't, thanks to our ancestry, yeah, and the genes. You know, what's that Philip Larkin poem about your parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. That one quoted all the time on the radio. The, uh, yeah, yeah, often read out. Um, the, I think it's quite nice to be able to blame our ancestors for those cravings. Yeah, we should relax a bit. Hard to relax, of course, when the bad health outcomes arrive, arise, but, you know, yeah. before that, eat, drink and be merry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> this has taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> and on that sombre note, we shall bid you farewell. Eat more salamagundi, then you'll be right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, salamagundi does sound healthy, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Lucy Curry, always a great pleasure to talk. Thank you, Jim. Salamagundi to you. And also to you. <laughs>